0: Welcome to Water of Life. We are so glad that you guys are joining us. If you don't know me, my name is Victoria and I'm your online pastor this weekend. So I'm here to share with you guys all the exciting things that are happening at Water of Life, but hey, First things first, if you're new here, if maybe you stumbled upon this link or a friend invited you to watch church online, we wanna say welcome. And so if you can grab your phone and text the word new here to 818-818, we would love to connect with you and share with you all the things that are happening at our church. But hey, speaking of things that are happening at our church, if you guys don't know, we are a big believer in community. We believe that you're not meant to do life alone and more than ever, right? Community is so important in our life today. And so we wanna encourage you to pray and consider joining a small group. A small group is not just a great way to grow in your faith and to grow spiritually, but it's a way to grow together in community. And so if you are interested in being a part of a small group, you can text the word friends to 818-818. Again, it's the word friends to 818-818. We would love to share with you more about what joining a small group can look like and you can sign up there as well. Another thing that's happening at our church is our school, which is Water of Life Christian School, is gonna be hosting a preview night this upcoming Monday on January 25th. And what's so important and so special about our school is not only does it emphasize education, but education with a biblical foundation. And so if you are interested in having your kids attend Water of Life Christian School, you can be a part of our Preview Night, again happening on Monday, January 25th. And so if you wanna RSVP for that Preview Night, you can do that through our website at wallupdates.com. Again, that's W-O-L-updates.com. And so we wanna invite you, you guys have probably been hearing about this the last couple of weeks, but we wanna invite you to our services next weekend where we are hosting something called SGN Weekend. And Maybe you're like, Victoria, what does SGN stand for? Well, you're going to have to come and find out. I don't even know what it is. We're all going to find out together. And so make sure you attend, invite your family, invite your friends. We're going to be having services safely in person, but you can also join us online. And so make sure you attend next weekend for our SGN weekend. And so we're gonna be jumping into a time of worship in a bit, but we hope you guys have been enjoying the worship series. Maybe share in the comments, what's one thing that you've learned throughout this worship series? I know for me, it's been a big blessing and this is gonna be our last week of the worship series, but it's gonna be a special one because we are also gonna be closing out our series with a night of worship happening this Sunday on January 24th at 5 p.m. You can join us in person safely or you can join us online where we are going to be closing up this series by worshiping and praying together as we kick off this new year. And so before we jump into worship, I want to read a quick verse for us. And so if you have your Bibles, if you want to open up to Psalm 63 and David is writing this Psalm and he says, because your love is better than life, my lips will praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. And what I love about this verse is that David is saying, God, your love is so great, but I have to—I can't help but respond in worship, right? Because God's love is so amazing. He can't help but worship in response. And so for us, as we just sit and reflect on God's love in our life, would we not just sit in it, but would we respond in worship? Would we lift up our hands? Would we worship together wherever you're watching that we would come in that response of worship? And so God, we just say, as we enter into this time of worship, God, that we would reflect on your love knowing how good it is, how powerful it is and and that God, we would respond in worship to you today. And so we lift up our hands, we lift up our voices and we say, God, you are so worthy of our praise. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, hey, why don't you join me as we go into the worship center for worship.
1: It's great to be with you guys today. Those of you online and in Townsville, we're glad you've joined us. Let's worship together. Did you feel the mountains
2: tremble? Did you hear the oceans roar? All the people rose to see Jesus Christ the Lord. to hear the sea is We all the lost
3: If we didn't stop in this moment and do something really quick, see, we just sang something. And if you're at home, um, hopefully you were singing with us. The thing is, is when we sing things like um, I, "I don't feel you moving" and "I don't feel you" or "see you working," but you never stop working. See, here's a, some of you are in the room today, and you watched your friends go, "Yeah," and you're like, "But not in my life." Let me say this to you, the thing that makes us all the same is that if you saw their circumstances, they probably don't look a whole lot different than yours. And yet we sit, Withholding because we think that God needs to do something for us to respond, but the thing we fail to remember is that on the other side, we're gonna look back and see that he was there, and we'll have missed the moment to worship in the moment that he needed us to respond to him. Listen, this is what worship is about. It's not about the moment about the feeling. It's about the expectation of what God has already done, what he's going to do. Listen, and what he's doing right now. And some of you, listen, some of you are excited to worship. We're gonna worship, we're gonna sing the song again. You're getting excited. But some of you are like, not my life. I'm not even sure, I trust God right now. Listen, everybody sitting around you whose hands were raised in expectation today have been where you are. Everybody has. Maybe not your exact same circumstance. Maybe you're not exact same pain. you're. But we've all been in places where it didn't feel like God was moving and we couldn't see him and we couldn't feel him. And so Father, we wanna pray that you give us the courage To believe for what we can't see and what we can't feel. Not believing in nothing, but believing in expectation and faith that the God who was there in the past will be here in the present and will be here in the future. And that we can lean into you and we can worship with expectation that even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it, you are still at work.
1: that you are good, Lord, whether we see it or we feel it or not. You are still moving. You are still on the throne. And those are not empty phrases, God. They're so full of power and truth. Lord, that your love would would bridge the gap and draw us near. That even when we can't feel it, even when we can't see it, God, that you would still move on our behalf. So Lord, would you just increase our faith? Would you help us to trust in that? Even if, if it doesn't feel easy, Lord. We place our trust and our faith in you because you are never changing and you're always good. And so, Father, we thank you for that truth. We we hang on to that today, Lord, and I pray that you would just increase our joy and our hope in you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It was wonderful worshiping with you guys today, and those of you online in Townsville as well. Let's give somebody away before we take our seat and get ready for the message.
3: everybody, how are you this weekend? The rest of you are drinking your coffee, I'm sure. <clears throat> hey, we, you, a bunch of you are at home this weekend, and we just want to say we love you. We're so glad that you're with us in the Upland campus. You guys are joining us live right now. We love you guys as well. Now, Upland campus and maybe the, some of the Townsville folks, you guys didn't have this experience, but those of us here in the Fontana campus um, had a great weekend of worship. And I just need to say this, so some of you don't know this, and they're backstage, so they might not even hear this. But um, our the, the band that led you this weekend is our next gen band, and they lead all of our next gen campuses, or excuse me, venues and experiences. All of a and I just want to say, Hannah, you and your team did a fantastic job this weekend. Thank you. Um, if I said that while she was out there, she would turn red and like fall over, probably. So, we're super grateful for them. Some of them are actually teenagers that are leading, so it was awesome to be led by them this weekend. Now, hey, listen, if we've never been together, my name's Shane, and it's really good to be with you. I get to teach here. I'm one of the teaching pastors from time to time. I'm with you guys, and so it's great to be with you guys to finish off part four of our series. But before we get there, I want to push pause really quick, because it is a brand new year. It is still January, and uh, that means one thing for us, that we've probably learned something this year. This has been a long year, the last 12 months. This is where the amens and the hallelujah is coming in. It's been a long year, has it not? Okay, perfect. Now that we got that out of the way, one of the things that we've learned is that, hopefully we've learned, is that doing life alone is not really ideal. In fact, doing life alone is really hard. And so one of the things we wanted to say uh, to you guys is that this is January is a super key important point of our journey as a church that we try to get people engaged in community by leading small groups and hosting small groups and so we want to extend an invitation to those of you some of you have time or resource opportunity skill some of you don't know what to do but you're willing to do it and we will help you get there but we need some of you to take a step out and begin to invite your friends your family your community and open your path the places that you have the opportunities you have whether it's in your home or online to let other people come. And begin to experience Jesus. So they don't journey alone, so you don't journey alone. And you can do what we're going to talk about this weekend, which is give out what God has already given to you. Now, I'm going to jump us into part four of a series that we've been working on for the last three weeks. This is our fourth week. And we've been talking about what it means to worship. In fact, we've talked a lot about what it means to worship when we're tired or when we're down or we're depressed or we're discouraged. We've been talking about giving ourselves to worship demonstratively. We've talked about raising our hands. We've talked about lifting our hands, bowing our knees. We've talked about what it means to walk through those things. And what we've done is we've actually taken some of the old Hebrew words, seven of them to be specific, that show up in the Old Testament specifically that are often practiced in the New Testament. The language is a little bit different. And so we've focused in on the Hebrew words, not because the Hebrew words are special, but because they give us a better picture of what some of our historical expectations for worship and engaging God should be. And so a couple of weeks ago, we started with this, In week one, we started with two words, and yada was the first one, and that meant just to extend your hands. Some of you guys did that today, some of you did that at home. You raised your hands in expectation and reverence for who God was to give thanks to him for who he is and what he's doing in us, a sign of praise. And then also in that same week, we talked about halal. Halal is actually the same word that we get hallelujah from. It hasn't worked in any service this entire week. And I thought if I said hallelujah, no, anyway, it's, just, it's gone. The moment's gone. Right. Uh, it means really to boast or to celebrate and to make somebody famous. And so what really we're talking about when we say hallelujah, it's not a churchy word. It is a churchy word, but it actually means to boast about God. And then we rolled into week two. We talked about two words, zada and toda, And those two words are connected have very similar meanings Praise and to make music is zamar, which I won't do to save you from that experience, because it won't be worshipful at all. We'll not sing. <laughs> Toda means thanksgiving, and this is something we're probably really familiar with. You, I, we as a community, are really familiar with this. Almost always when we pray, we give what? Thanks. Almost always we do. Whether we're praying with our kids, our grandkids, or praying for dinner, we're almost always giving thanks. As a sign of worship and praise and gratitude, we say thank you. Something really important, it's song of confession, that you are God, that you've provided all these things. All things come from him, all things return to him. And listen, this is the whole point to today, is that all things point back to him or should when they're healthy. And then week three, last week, things got a little awkward. So um, <clears throat> we talked about Barak. And that meant that we would stop and that we would kneel. And we would surrender out of expectation for who God is, what he has done, what he is doing, and what he is going to do. And we stopped and we celebrated and we said, hey, listen, God, you are great, you are mighty, you are holy. And we had talked about what it looked look like if our lives lived that way, both physically and emotionally, that our lives were fully surrendered to him. And then we finished with one word last week, tahila, an acknowledgement of the deeds and the celebration of those deeds, the things that God has done. We got one word this week, just one, and we're gonna celebrate, we're gonna have a lot of fun with it. That one word is Shabbat or Shavak. It sounds really just violent when you say it like that. But it really actually means to shout and to praise and to say things in a very loud tone. That is all it means. But in our Bibles, your Hebrew scriptures that you read in the Old Testament, It is translated praise over and over and over again. And we're going to get into what that looks like because often when we read words of praise or psalms, in fact, a lot of times when we read scripture, we don't recognize we are reading songs, things that were meant to be sung, but we read them as scripture, not as an exchange, not as a celebration, but as instruction. And they are that, but they're meant to be so much more as well. Now, as we kind of land this weekend, the one thing we hope I hope that we can journey together through is this idea, that the spirit of the living God is and always has been shouting to you and I in his own very specific way, inviting us to worship. And I want to pray for us, and then we're going to jump into a few things, share a couple stories, and then walk through some scripture that we can begin to understand some of this idea, what it means to shout, what these other things look like, the word, some of the words from the past as well, journey us into I think a conversation that will be really encouraging for you. Heavenly Father, we know this, that this moment is pointless without your presence. We thank you that you're already here. We thank you that we got to sing and celebrate who you are now, who you have been in the past, and then believe for who you will be in the future. Not just for us, but what you want to do for all of humanity, to move among us, to heal us, restore us, and breathe new life in us. And I pray that we would lean into that and trust that today. Jesus is in your matchless and precious name we pray everybody said, amen. Amen. So uh, some of you will remember this date, but some of you will not. And October 26th of 2018 was a really important day. And I'll tell you why. Some of you know this day already because you are diehard Dodger fans. You already know what this day is about. But October 26th of 2018 was, well, let's just say it was one of the multiple trips towards the promised land that the Dodgers have taken us on. They finally got us there. Anyway, uh, no Dodger fans today. Okay, anyway, so I'm alone in the Dodger There's A bunch of Angel fans here. You guys don't know what the feeling is like to hold the trophy. Anyway. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) I'm already getting text messages, I'm sure. You can save the emails, I already get it. All right, all right. right, So here's the thing, so here's what happened. This is a really important story for me. I'll share it with you because this involves shouting and kind of an interesting experience and it will lead us kind of where we're heading today. And so, October 26th of 2018, the Dodgers are coming back to L.A. to play in the World Series. And I'm like, oh, man, I want to go. 2017, they were here. They played. I didn't ever go. It was one of my biggest regrets because I kept thinking, man, this would be like once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me to go to the World Series. And it was a little more nostalgic than that for me because in 1988, when the Dodgers won the World Series the previous time, a long time ago, I was alive and my dad put me on his shoulders and took me to downtown LA and took me to City Hall for the parade and the celebration. And I have a pennant and it was just like this dad and son moment, it was fantastic. And so I keep thinking, you know, the Dodgers are coming back to LA, they're down two games to nothing. It's not looking great against the Boston Red Sox, but you know what? I look into Matt and I say, babe, this might be a once in a lifetime opportunity for my dad and I, when we're both healthy enough we don't know when the Dodgers will go back to the World Series again. We have no idea. This could be a once in a lifetime opportunity for me and my dad to go to the World Series. I wanna buy tickets. I wanna surprise him. I wanna take him to the World Series. She's like, okay. I was like, I was really not very enthusiastic, but okay, thanks. I'm thinking, she's like, you should do it. That's the coolest thing ever. She's like, who are the Dodgers? No, she didn't say that. Um, <laughs> but she did say, I said, this would be really fun. She's like, yeah, that's great. I was like, well, you don't really understand what this means. What you're, you know, I need to tell you what you're committing us to. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, this isn't like you just kind of pop on to Ticketmaster and buy a ticket for a game like this. You got to like know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody to get a ticket. She's like, okay. I said, Well, I gotta find somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody, and she's like, I'm sure you do. And I found somebody from church, God bless you, you know who you are, who just was so kind and just handed me the tickets. No, they didn't do that, I'm kidding. Uh, I did buy tickets from somebody from church. It was great. I found tickets, I bought tickets. And so that night on October 26th of 2018, at four o'clock in the afternoon, this guy and I went to the World Series. Now, super fun, right? What we didn't know is that we were signing up for the longest game in World Series history. 18 innings, seven hours and 21 minutes long. And we stayed for every single pitch. Now, this is a true story. The game finished at 12.30 in the morning on October 27th. So this happened... And no, the clock's not broken. That is midnight. At midnight, they actually put this time up on the screen because everybody, well, we were losing their minds. It was crazy. It was unreal. At some point, I ended up looking like this, no shame. This is literally what I look like at that point. <laughs> I got my rally cap on, I'm falling asleep, but I am <laughs> in it to win. it. Now, we had a really fun experience right around midnight, uh, <clears throat> something that I have never experienced before, but we, experience not the seventh inning stretch, we experience the 14th inning stretch. You ever seen that before? Well, you will now. Take a look at this. 14th inning stretch. no idea I was ever going to show these publicly but um. we rolled into the bottom of the 18th inning and uh, some of you know history and you know what happened and this is a shouting moment that some of you guys can relate to and you guys can kind of get on board with as we walk through this conversation today the 18th inning Max Muncie walks up and hits a walk-off home run now we are sitting in left field that ball flew to left field and we're all, the, you could hear the crowd go, <gasps> and then you watch the ball, and the silence, before, you know, the calm before the storm, the ball drops over the outfield fence. And then, well, you can see what happened because I took a video of it because it was pretty insane because everybody was shouting. Now, <laughs> the Dodgers moved on to finish what we expected them to do by giving up the World Series to the Red Sox. Now, little did we know that two years later, we would bring that trophy back to L.A., wouldn't we? This is great. So... <clears throat> For all of you non-baseball, non-Dodger fans, just indulge us, okay? It's been like 30 years, just let us have a break. Okay, so uh, one of the things that is so important for us when we have moments like this where we respond, because we've all had moments like this, right? Was it a graduation or some sort of powerful life experience that we need to reflect on and ask ourselves this, questions, do we ever have moments that lead us to shout to God without fear, without inhibition? Because this is really the pivotal moment, right, is when we ask these real questions that lead us into much more deeper things than a baseball game. Baseball is fun, but it doesn't save. But the thing that's so fun is, do we do this as a church community? Do we shout? Do we release inhibitions? Do we respond to who God is? Because this is often a communal thing. It should be private, but it's a communal thing too. And the next question is, do we unite with one voice and shout with gratitude to who God is and what he wants to do, what he has already done? Because, see, following Jesus and stretching and growing ourselves with Jesus are always built around declarations. Here's why. Because when you declare something, you are bound to that thing. And When you declare something, you speak it out loud. And you are responsible to it. Now, David makes some declarations of his own in Psalm chapter 63. If you want to open your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to read it with me. In fact... Sometimes people ask us, why do we read scripture together when we're at church? And one of the things we often don't understand, this is actually an act of worship. The early church would actually take scriptures, we'll read some of it in a little bit, and sing it out loud together. Because it reminded them who God was, what he wanted to do, and what he was always going to do with them and through them. And David, I'm going to set up the kind of passage here before we read it together, because David is in the wilderness, running for his life, hiding after some chaotic things have happened in his life. The surrounding details are important but not specific for today. What you just need to know is that life isn't good. Some of you can relate. But what he begins to say in the midst of life not being good reminds us of that thing that we talked about at the very beginning, that the Spirit of God is calling out to us, shouting at us, inviting us to worship because he understands that. Why don't you read this with me if you would. It'll come up on the screen. It'll be on your screen in front of you if you're at home. He says this in verse one: "O oh God, you are my God." Verse one. Come on, read this with me. We can do this together. O oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in your sanctuary. And gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. Lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You will satisfy me more than richest feast ever. I will praise you with songs of joy. Now watch this. Don't forget as he's saying these things. Three of the words that we've talked about show up in here. Shabbat, the very beginning. How I praise you, I will shout to you. How I praise you, I will shout to you. I will praise you. I will barak to you. I will surrender. Remember, David's in a moment of trial. Things are not good. I don't know about you, but my immediate response isn't to say, I will shout to you, God, because things are so great. I'm going to bow down to you. I'm going to worship you because you are so great. I will halal you. I will give you hallelujah. I will celebrate the great things that you've done in the middle of my broken, bad moments. How about you? Look at the depth, because this is what we're going to learn from. Look at the depth of how David trusts and leans into who God, listen, isn't necessarily being in that moment so he can see because he can't feel it and he can't see it, but he believes it and expects it anyway. This is important. This is important. Because what he is saying is, I will hallelujah you, I will celebrate foolishly, even if everybody around me tells me I shouldn't. Because, and this is what's so important for us, and we'll read this passage in just a second in Psalm 117. This is so important. He is leaning into the past, the story of his forefathers and his story about how God has been faithful. And he is transferring that moment into the present, saying, if God is faithful, then he's going to be faithful now. And I can believe for him to be faithful in the future. And he's going to lean into that moment. He's not going to let go because in 117 he says, praise the Lord, all the earth. This is so good. And all the nations will celebrate who God is. He goes on, for his loving kindness is great towards us. And the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. He's saying this, Shabbat, I'm going to shout to the Lord. All the nations will shout to the Lord. Well, they want to now or they will someday. But they will shout. And then he finishes by saying, I will shout to the Lord in Psalm 117. I will shabak, I will use this declarative moment. See, we translate it as praise because it seems more poetic and more like a song in the Psalms. But the truth is, I will shout to the Lord. He goes on in Psalm 145, David does. And does something that's for you, for me, for the future. And I don't think he ever understood what he was writing when he said this, that one generation will praise Shabbat. Your works will celebrate, will shout your works to another, another, and the next one shall declare your mighty acts. Here's what he was actually saying. Hey, by the way, our responsibility as the current generation is to remember what the past generation taught us about what God was faithful in to them, transferred into our life, and then recognize where God has been faithful in our life so we can teach the next generation to recognize, identify his great works, and celebrate them. Because we cannot allow our greatness to surpass God's because it never will be. Because our greatness, what he would recognize and what the people of the past and his forefathers would have reminded him of is, your greatness is rooted in God's faithfulness. So his faithfulness will be faithful not only in the past, but it will be in the present and it will be in the future. You say, hey, by the way, parents, this is our job. To point to the things in the past that God was faithful in even in our failures, even in the middle of the trial when you're not sure how the bill's going to get paid or how you're going to get them to college or going to help them pass their sickness, the divorce, to sit there and say, God has always been faithful in your life. Look what he's done here. He's always been faithful in my life. Look back here what God was faithful. Because faith isn't built on nothing. Faith is built on promises and expectations from a God that had already done something for you even if you didn't see it. Even if it wasn't for you, it was for the past that created the possibility for the present. And he leans into these moments, and this is our job, to prepare the next generation, believing that what we have experienced, God wants to do greater things with. Then we lean into them and say, look what God did in the past, look what he's doing right now, even if you can't see it or feel it, and believe for what he's gonna do in the future. Buddy Owen says this, and I love this. He says, worship is a response of what he has, meaning God, done what he is doing, and you can help me finish this, and what he will do. You got it. Because here's what Buddy understood, here's what Jesus understood, and here is what David understood as we read those passages, and we'll see Paul understands this too. That the Spirit is and always has been reaching out and shouting in his own way to you and to I, to we, to us as the church, inviting us to worship him. Because somewhere, and we'll see this in just a second, as we worship him, powerful things change. See, Ephesians chapter 5, Paul begins to tease this out and starts talking about living spirit-led songs. I'll read that passage to you really quick. If you want to write it down or follow along, you can in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul kind of begins to give some instructions, and I'll give you a little background here. Paul, being away from the Ephesus, the church, or the churches that are in Ephesus, He's writing a letter to the people in Ephesus saying, hey, by the way, I hear you need to know how to follow Jesus. How to be a Jesus follower looks like this and he begins to give them instruction. But what it means to live a faithful Christian life in this life, in the midst of, and this might be a good word for us, in the midst of opposition, trial, uncomfortability, great wealth, uncertainty. And then he gets kind of into the details and some of you have heard this passage before. You didn't like it when they preached it at church. And you might not like it again right now, but we'll get to the point of the passage because the point isn't the first part. The point is the whole idea. He says this in verse 18, don't be drunk with wine. That's the first part that most people just kind of stop and the preacher's like, see, I told you. No, this isn't Paul's point. He's saying, don't be, and you're scared to say it in church. Come on. I know you're all scared to say drunk at church. Everybody at home's like drunk. Anyway, uh, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Really good practical advice, isn't it? Hey, listen, by the way, if you live this way, it will eat up the past, it will corrupt the present, and it will certainly show up in the future. So, hey, by the way, don't do this. It's just bad for you. And then he goes on. Because it will ruin your life. Oh, by the way, Ephesus is a really rich community, a lot of trade, etc. So they were having wine parties, and it was part of the culture to actually get drunk for, at the temples, and the debauchery stuff was part of their culture. So this is why Paul's teaching to it because they've been told that it was good to party and do these things, and the Hebrew culture would understand as Paul would that this is not good for you. This destroys who you are. This actually corrupts you from becoming the child of God, Paul would say, that you are called and created to be. He's saying, by the way, don't do this. Not, not the drinking, the obsession with trying to numb and not allow God to heal and restore you. But he's not done. Instead, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. And make music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you didn't know why you prayed to Jesus when you ate? Right there. Because listen, what he's saying is, by the way, it all comes from, and it will always come back to him. We'll read that in just a minute. But all of it comes from him, it all belongs to him, and it will all return to him. See, Paul has a little play of words here, because really Paul is recalling what the experience of the first church was in Acts chapter 2. You might remember in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit first falls on the church the disciples get accused of being what? See, you guys are getting more comfortable saying drunk at church. This is good. Okay. They are get, get accused of being what? And in fact, they accuse them of being drunk because it seemed that they were under the influence of something and they didn't have any way to make sense of what was happening. And so Paul is doing something really important here. He's weaving these stories together because being a follower of Jesus for him always means, and for Jesus will always mean living under the influence and the power of the Spirit here's what's going on. What's actually going on is Paul's giving two imperatives here. That means commands. He's issuing a command, live this way. Don't get drunk. He said, because it will ruin your life and it will corrupt what God wants to do with you and it will forfeit your family and it will forfeit your future and it will break your destiny as we would use around here. And he skips right past and goes, but by the way, this is the other thing. Be filled with the spirit. Not if it's convenient someday. No, this is a command. Be filled. This is an expectation. This is Paul saying, this is the way if you follow Jesus. This is the way. The power and the presence of the Holy Spirit by singing songs and spiritual songs. Singing Thanksgiving should be marked by spirit-filled believers. Watch this. Why? Our behavior, listen, our behavior with one another is the indicator of what Paul is talking about here, of how spirit-filled we are. And being spirit-filled people, our lives should be about worship, but even more so about how we honor one another. See, singing and thanksgiving together are good. When we celebrate, we should do both. But here's the thing, and don't miss this. He's not done yet. Paul's just getting started when he says this. Here's what he's really saying. The thing we got to lean into and understand here is, and we'll see this in Colossians chapter 3, that he is pointing us back to Jesus and Jesus' new ethic and the thing that Jesus has called us to. Don't miss this. Because what he's actually saying in John, or excuse me, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, I almost said John 3, 16. Did you catch that? Colossians chapter, six, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, he says this, He says, by the way, and this is him talking and encouraging people to sing, and we'll get to the rest of it in just a second what he's doing because I want to read this to you. He says in verse 16, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill our lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. So what Paul's actually telling these people in this church in Colossae, he's like, hey, by the way, you small gathering ecclesia of people, don't miss something. This is so important. And he kind of teases this whole thing out and says this, hey, by the way, your songs should admonish or instruct and warn one another. But in doing so, they should be full of grace. And here's what he's actually saying. Like our lives, your songs and the songs that you sing should have substance and meaning. And here's what he means by substance and meaning. This is really interesting. He says, by the way, you should instruct each other and teach each other when you sing songs. He's actually saying, use your songs to teach and instruct. And what I just shared with you, and we'll read in just a second, is that these are songs that give us the picture of God, who God is, and who He wants to be among us. And these people would sing these songs, and sometimes we actually teach these passages and we preach them instead of singing them and celebrating them. But what Paul's really saying is, by the way, the songs that you sing, and the way that you live together should be full of grace. What is actually the word, we translate it into thanksgiving in this passage, but the word is actually charis, which is actually the root word for grace. So what he's really saying is, as you instruct each other, spirit-filled living should be singing and instructing, but it should be singing and instructing Born out of the grace and the response of the understanding of who Jesus was, what he did for you, and the gratitude you have for the lavish grace that he has poured on you. So wisdom should flow out of that teaching. And instruction can come out of that worship. And in worship, we are singing or speaking to God, but at the same time, we are instructing each other. But this is about the moment that we should pivot, because this becomes the moment that should point us back to Jesus, because that's what Paul is inferring here when he says this. You should instruct one another. Back in Ephesians said, you should admonish each other. And What he's encouraging us to do is, by the way, this should remind us of what Jesus is saying. By the way, when Jesus says, hey, your faith is no longer vertical, but it's horizontal too. Here's what he's saying. Hey, by the way, throughout time in history, people have been concerned about pleasing one thing, God. And Jesus came and said, hey, by the way, the way that I will know that you love me isn't by the way that you worship me and the way that you do the right things in the temple, or the right things at church, or the right things that you say, or the right things you pretend to do. The way that I will know that you love me is by the way that you love everybody else. He's not done, right? He leans in and says, in that moment in Luke chapter 10, the rich ruler, who was actually been, would have been probably a religious leader, leans in and says, hey, Jesus, in Luke chapter 10, who's my neighbor? And Luke doesn't ever say that Jesus responds to him because Jesus didn't have to. Because Jesus would say to Luke and to you and to me, worship of me is more than a musical devotion. It fully is encompassed by the way that you love one another. It's not about who my neighbor is. It's about who am I to my neighbor is he would turn this on, this guy, and you could see him over and over again, and he's doing it to you and I today. Who is my neighbor? No, no, no. Who are you to your neighbor? Who are you to the person that God has called you to be, to every person, every face? How do we respond to those moments in those spaces? Because, don't forget this, the Spirit has been walking along, reaching out to us, calling to us, shouting in his own way, shabak to us in his own way, without, listen, Without us often responding to it, and we forget that he, throughout time and history, has been inviting us in to worship. I was telling you earlier that so often we read scripture that were meant to be sung together, The people would gather in rooms, probably not exactly like this 2,000 years ago, but in gathering in gatherings, smaller gatherings, and they would celebrate and they would sing the first church word. And they would sing scripture, things that they knew from the Old Testament, things that they had heard from the teachings of Jesus. They would sing them in expectation that they would know who Jesus was and it would remind them and it would compel them to worship. See, these songs characterized the early church's gatherings. They would sing songs and they would sing hymns that would tell them stories about the heart of God. All over the New Testament, we see them. We often miss that they were being sung, but the real And they're being sung. In 1 Timothy, there's a passage that does that. This is Paul writing to Timothy. If you're unfamiliar with this passage, Paul, the kind of the first missionary who travels the entire Mediterranean world trying to instruct people about what it means to follow Jesus because people began to pop up understanding that the Messiah, the one who God had promised would come, had come. How do we worship him? How do we follow him? And he began to form these people, these groups, these ecclesies, these churches. And he's writing this to Timothy, one of his young men that he's teaching and training, who's doing the same thing with him in a different city. He's writing in this letter, and in this letter he says in verse 14, I am writing these things, chapter 3, verse 14, writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. And who did Jesus say the church was? Who did Jesus say the church was? He said the church is us, you, me, we, all of us throughout time and history make up the church and what Jesus is saying and what Paul is speaking from the heart of God in this moment is, by the way, truth comes from the church. No pressure, okay. This should create great expectation in our hearts to know what it means to live truthfully. In a world that is incredibly difficult to live faithfully, follow Jesus today. This should lead us back to that space. But he's not quite done because this is where the song comes in. Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith and you've probably heard this preached and taught and I'm just gonna preach it at you because if I sing this to you, it will be the only thing you remember for the rest of the day and it will be bad. But he says this, this is the great mystery of our faith, that Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in and throughout the world. And then after he was believed in, he was taken up in glory. Check this out. This This is the whole Christ story in three verses. So they sing this out in expectation because they knew this, and we need to know this, that there's something unique about God and how he responds to people. See, the gods of old would demand worship for themselves. And our God is no different. But he does something different with the worship that we offer him. See, the thing is, it's never, and this is so important, worship never ends with him. He takes our devotion and our intimacy with him and allows it to transform us, not only into lovers of him, but into lovers of others. Never miss this. This is so powerful. Your God reflects back your worship to transform you. Even though he craves it because he deserves it, he is willing to allow our expression of love and gratitude to him to transform us and use us to become not just lovers of him, but lovers of others. And somehow in this wacky word, he said, hey, by the way, you loving others is the same as loving me. But Paul isn't quite done. In fact, in Colossians chapter one, going back just a little bit further, he gives us a really cool picture. I wanna read it to you as we finish up today. You've heard this preached as well, but this was a song. In verse 13 of chapter 1, for he, and you've all heard this, if you've been in church for any period of time, you've heard this. Maybe you haven't and you need to hear it today for the very first time. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of light of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sin. That's just the preamble he's just getting started now he launches into the song this was sung by people in churches for generations in fact sung in colossae and probably some of the other places he says this christ is the invisible image of the visible or excuse me the visible image of the invisible god he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we cannot say, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created for him and through him. He existed before anything else. He holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. And then he finishes by saying this. He is the beginning, and he is supreme over all who rise from the dead. (laughs) By the way, if you had any question about how much the ruler of the world Jesus is, he's the ruler over the dead people too. I agree. See, Paul's words are full of wisdom and instruction. They're deep. They're meant to celebrate, but they're mostly meant to be sung. Is it possible that we should rethink the way that we sing, what our songs say? how we incorporate them into our lives, and how we shout back to who God is because of what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. See, here's the thing. That ultimately followers of Jesus, there are two dimensions that they serve in. They serve people, and as they serve people, they honor and worship God. This is how it's always been since Jesus came, how it always should be for you and me. Because in so many ways, God is and always been has been reaching out across time and history to you and to I and to the people that are part of our story in the past, shouting at you and I that one thing that we just read that is summed up by saying this, you are loved and that you are cherished and would you come walk with me and I will teach you not only how to love me, but I will teach you how to love others. Because today... In this moment here with you and me, the spirit of the living God is reaching out and calling us to himself because he's not done. He doesn't want you to sit and suffer in your moments. Listen, he doesn't want you to sit and suffer in the things that you're experiencing without the hope and the reminder of how great he was in the past so that you can project it into the present, not to convince yourself to be grateful, but to recognize how grateful you should already be. Believing for how grateful you will be, because this, listen, this is this is it. The life of a follower of Jesus will always be marked out by passionate and consistent worship. In worship, and in so many ways, through worship, we declare what we believe God's value to be, and what we understand about his value, that it's something more than music, and ultimately we'll recognize. That is a call to a lifestyle. Well, Paul in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, I read that first part to you. But he wasn't done. We kind of just put a pin in you. Could hear Paul just kind of pause? May the word of Christ richly dwell within you. (laughs) He goes on and on. With all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and spiritual songs. Be thankful to your hearts with God. But then He says that thing that most of us who have been around church for a while have read or heard, and maybe you never have. But he says that one thing that makes worship come to life because it no longer is about church and singing songs and quiet times and devotional moments. Paul wraps our entire life up into one verse and says, oh yeah, by the way, the way that you parent, the way that you work, the way that you live, the way that you deal with your money, the way that you deal with the people in your neighborhood, those are all acts of worship. And he says that by saying this, and whatever you do or say, whatever, meaning everything, whatever you say or do, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. And give thanks to him through God the Father. Because you and I have been invited to be children of the creator. He poured his life into us and asked us to do one thing, recognize he is alive, then he is alive right now and he will be here in the future. And that all across time and space, his spirit has been reaching out, shouting at you and I, inviting us into moments of worship where he could change us, transform us and breathe new life into us. Not for ourselves and not just for him, but because he loved his life to be poured into us to change the lives of the people around us that he has called us to love. Could you stand with me? I think it would be short of us not to stop and to worship. And we're going to sing a song in just a second that says, shout unto the Lord, shout unto God. And I want to just ask you to do something. Some of you don't feel like shouting, and that's Okay. But would you dig deep inside and think about those moments about when you have had moments of great inhibition when you felt full of freedom to respond to who God was and ask him what's going on here that you don't feel safe or free to do that. Maybe you've never felt that before. And I wanna pray over you before we worship that you might experience that today. Heavenly Father, we come fully recognizing that we without your grace, are fully insufficient to breathe. Yet when we come in your presence, we can be fully alive. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and that you would cover us. Thank you that you are already here. And as we choose to worship today, not because it feels good, not because we can see you moving or feel you moving, but because you've always been moving. Would you meet us? Would you pour yourself out when we have a radical encounter with you that only you could provide that will change us, shape us, heal us, restore us, and do that thing you always promised, that you would give us life to give life to others. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for this moment. Thank you for your greatness. We love you, God. Woo. Jesus, we're so grateful that you, paid, you paved a pathway for the Holy Spirit to come. And God, we would live out of the strength of the life that the Spirit provides, and we wouldn't try to wander on our own. That we would allow those super special moments that you come to fill us, to change us, breathe life and give us gifts, and we would respond to those moments every time they come. Father, we pray for healing and restoration across our family as a church, a place people are sick and need to be restored and healed, marriages. We just say thank you that you are faithful. You are faithful in the past, you are faithful today, and you will be faithful to the future. And for that, we just say thank you. We love you, we are grateful for you. And Jesus, is your matchless and precious name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen.
0: Well what a powerful message from our very own Pastor Shane. We hope it's been a blessing for you and I know for me, right? I don't want it just to be information in my head. I want it to be transformation. And so for you, if you wanna be transformed by the word that you heard today, we have a couple of questions that we want you to reflect and respond to throughout your week. And so we're gonna throw up a slide here and we want you to screenshot this, maybe take these questions, journal them throughout the week and reflect on what these could look like. And so these questions, right? Ask the Lord to remind you of when you worshiped him with the least amount of fears. How did he show up in that moment? Right? How, how did God show up when you worshiped him without fear or abandon? And maybe you can respond throughout the week, right? Maybe you can invite the Holy Spirit to lead you as you shabak, which is to shout or declare loudly something about God this week. What's one thing that you can shout or declare about God? Maybe you can say, God, you are good. God, you are faithful. God, you never fail, you never leave us. So maybe invite the Holy Spirit as you do that throughout the week. Maybe this week you can embrace worship songs that lead your heart in the way it should go. Meaning, what are some worship songs that for you speak to you and your heart? Take time throughout this week to really not just listen to those songs to reflect, but to reflect on those lyrics and reflect on what they can mean for you and your life and your relationship with God. And so, We want you to reflect and to respond to those things throughout the week. We hope it's been a blessing for you. As a reminder, if you need prayer, we have pastors online who would love to pray for you. So make sure you click that live prayer button or message us directly, or you can call us at our offices at 909-463-0103. But other than that, we love you guys. We hope you have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next weekend. God bless.